Under the skin. Under the skin. Oh, man. Darling, it's weirder where we secrete our organs and then I'm out. But anyway, I thought that, was, uh, that went, wasn't the twist yeah, I yeah. referred to. Went further than I thought it would, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. And today we are covering the film Under the Skin. I'm going to be one of your guides under that skin. My name is Michael Swaim. Who's with me? Who's with me? Sound off. Co-host I'm first. Abe Epperson. I'm the co-host. Woo! And I'm Brooks Brown. And I'm... Uh, previous guest on uh, the show that's basically my my story that's true Brooks, it is true i we brought you on for synecdoche new york and in part that conversation made it my favorite movie of all time so i'm hoping you can pull a similar trick here with under the skin because uh i would like i want to like it more well and, and, I and, it. and as uh as you may have guessed from my odd taste in films, and I'm guessing you guys uh, sort of went through the list of who the fuck could like this movie, and I was sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel and maybe the only person who actively would say, I love this film, and I don't love this film ironically. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I've watched it many times. There was no scraping, my friend. No, no, no. But it was it was that your name rose to the top because we were instantly like, well, Brooks will like this movie. And we want the we want someone on to like this movie. This movie was because usually we pick movies we're passionate about. I'm not saying I'm not passionate about Under the Skin, but I hadn't seen it. So big shout out to user it, Martin. He just wanted Martin. to be called Martin. Martin. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Martin. Thank you, Thank Martin. You. Um, who picked the flick, and you can support us at the flick, pick the flick, flick picking tier if you'd like to, uh, over at patreon.com slash smallbeans if you want to make us watch a particular movie. And so far, everyone's had very good taste. No one's, mm -hmm. like, fucked mm -hmm. with us and made us watch Maximum Overdrive or anything. Um, <laughs> but we might, because it's based on a Stephen King story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I want to peel back the skin right now Ooh. and reveal some alien weirdness. And this is the twist I referred to. I'm calling us out, motherfuckers. This is the second time we will be recording this episode. Uh, no, it's not. Because of certainly I did not fuck up anything. And anything Michael no. about to say is just a lie. Yes, and if anyone apologizes on stream or takes credit for the technical difficulties, I will tell them to go fuck themselves. It's in the past, but it happened. So we're recording this again, and I hereby challenge us to quickly recap the very real insights that we got to in the previous episode and go further from there to make it an actual yeah. exciting conversation yeah. for us. I, yeah. I, Hell yeah. I, I can agree with that. And I think uh, the, best okay, way, the best way to go about that would be to miniaturize, I think, the discussion we had where Abe says literally what happens and then we break down very quickly and I think we can jump ahead and do almost everything. Why it's richer than it seems. Because yeah. spoiler alert, in the original iteration of this conversation, I did come in thinking the movie was like, it seems good, but I'm not really getting it. And after the explanation, I'm like, yes, this is very good. <laughs> so, so hopefully yeah. we can replicate at least some of that, because a lot of people who haven't seen this movie, if they just pick it up cold like uh, you had, it's it's not a film that you watch one time and, and they're like, oh, this is great. It takes a little bit of explanation. It takes watching it a couple times. I was fortunate that I have weird film friends who had seen it when it was at, uh, I don't know, it was at Telluride, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had a couple people who gave me that sort of, hey, when you go in, just realize this. And it was like, oh, shit, this movie's a revelation. So, so that's my hope is that this episode will end up serving as a great primer for people to see the movie. And I did not intend that pun, but primer is a touchstone film for this as well. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and I'll also say, no matter what we say, I don't think it's possible to actually spoil this movie. I, I think the No, because it's the so story, much about, yeah, how it's told. Yeah. Uh, so. Abers, would yes. you take the plot bullet again? Because I think of the oh, three I mean, of I... us, you're the least enamored of the film. Is that right? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that, you're already failing at the recap. I was the one who was like, no, I disagree. Uh, this is a good film. It's oh, just, okay. uh, yeah. But because um, Brooks loves it, Michael found out that he loves it. I just, I maybe I don't love it as much as Brooks, but I... Uh, 
you know, I liked it when I saw well, it. Well, but anyway, if I recall, you elucidated something you have against it, but that didn't stop you from liking it. That is it a lot. true. That is yeah. true. One we'll particular thing yeah. <laughs> at the end, I was like, they should have, he should have done it differently. Um, all right. Let's jump into, I'm going to try to speed us through in the, mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, I think you have good, uh, lofty aspirations, Swam, but mm -hmm. I think we can do it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to break this into very quickly logline of facts of what we see very quickly mm -hmm. and then try to be even quicker what I think it's all about. And that will jump us off into the conversation. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So under the skin, like as a logline, uh, it's ScarJo alien in Scotland uh, seduces uh some men before she uh to bring them to a, a place that is either hypothetical abstract or very real like a black void where they're devoured everything except the skin by falling into a black ooze but ultimately in act two she becomes curious about i guess the human condition and what it's all about and what she's all about and as an expression of that, runs away from her job, only in the end to be pretty viciously uh, attempted rape. And then she literally loses her skin as she's burned to death. <laughs> now, what the movie's really about that we talked about yesterday is we think it's a, uh, it's basically, it's an inspection of consent, celebrity, and the male gaze. How'd I do? I think that sums up a lot very nicely. Yeah. Uh, and Brooks, do you think you could take us through, like, how how is it, uh, uh, like the candid camera shit, you know what I'm trying to pull out. Take yes. us through that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so the way the, the film is made and who the actress is are in, endemic to the actual telling of what the symbology of this film is trying to say. First, the timing is what makes this film important. This is Scarlett Johansson opposite her becoming Black Widow. This is right around that time. Um, we're not talking about before that when she was just an actress who'd been in a few films. She now was mm. literally a character that... Uh, was sexualized on every movie poster, just her vinyl ass in front of everyone instead of, you know, anything that maybe was under the skin. Hmm? Mm -hmm. uh, under the and skin. And <laughs> her, her working on this film, she spent, uh, I looked it up, she did spend four years uh, fighting for this film to get uh, funded. Uh, she spent a yeah. lot of time working with the director. And when they actually set out to make the film, uh, you can spot them as you're watching. But there are scenes in this film that are flat out candid camera where they filled a van uh, or had hidden cameras around a street. And Scarlett Johansson in a wig in, in Glasgow drove mm. to Lonely Man to Lonely Man with an earpiece in like uh, scenes from Jackass or you know, prank shows. Dirty grandpa and, is the and, real touch stuff. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> she, she would pick up guys, ask where they're going, and flirt with them. And they would sign releases after the fact. Uh, and there's stories of her where she talks about how she she had the director saying, no, pull over to this guy. And she's like, no, that guy will, that guy's fucking creepy. And like, I won't, I yeah. won't go that far. But uh, they actually went to great lengths that the, there's a, there's actors in this brought from Craigslist, but the only other real actor is uh, a guy named uh, Adam Pearson, who plays a deformed guy. Uh, so that's, that's the color around this is as she's going from place to place, you're able to see very much how everyone's standard day life treats Scarlett Johansson level attractiveness, which is very polite and very sort of over the top and smiley and flirty. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she goes from that to seducing uh, and having men digested inside of a black goo. And over time, as she goes, the first person she runs into that changes that about her is Adam Pearson's character, who's just a deformed man. He's uh, hyper deformed. He's got a severe facial deformity. And uh, he worked, worked with her on her lines behind the scenes about the things that he knows people say. And one of the lines that he said about his mom, his mom always used to say he had the most beautiful hands. And so that's the one line she says in there because she it's mm. it's this moment where she is talking to this disfigured man and 
she's finally seeing something slightly under the skin. And that continuous theme goes until uh, the male gaze changes her as suddenly he's seeing her not as uh, the, the skin surface, but instead as someone who actually cares for him. And that switch changed how she reacts to him. And as she has him digested, she actually releases him in a pretty amazing moment. Um, she frees him, yeah. Although we don't, as far as I could tell, we don't see a scene of her physically like, open the gates or like smuggling him no, out. We no, just and, come and to understand that, that she must have been instrumental in him getting out because he appears yeah. in a field near his house. Well, and that's part of your, your commentary on whether or not the place that digests her Really, digest them. It really that, exists, or is it just an allegory itself? Which, for yeah. you were abducted by aliens and they did shit to you. You know what yeah, I mean. It yeah. could be <laughs> a mental thing, but we we're trying to keep our discussion away from, or at least at first we tried to keep our discussion away from new thoughts, the particulars of like <laughs> what the aliens are doing and what the facts or like life cycles of the aliens are that's not the important part of this particular science fiction no the film. important part is how the heck these craigslist actors stayed that rigidly erect as they slowly walked into mm. goo mm-hmm. <laughs> they're pretty had, impressive pretty were those impressive. were those porn actors you think or was it uh <laughs> prosthetics i wonder i i do wonder but to be fair also adam pierce they're like the, throbbingly hard the, the, as they walk into the goo the deformed guy too like it's yeah and and i'm sure i can't imagine he didn't have some level of stage fright you're getting naked in front of scarlett johansson it's a, for a film for a film right. super yeah. strange how did these guys keep it so i mean hat tip but anyway let's go on <laughs> So as she then she then realizes that she has more, that humans are more than just uh, sort of the 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 organs inside of their skin, uh, which is what is being right. sort of destroyed and taken out of them when they're digested. She goes out and she tries to experience humanity, and she becomes kind of enamored with it, curious about it, uh, until as Abe said, when the male gaze goes too far. And it becomes, I'm sick of this. I want this. Your visage, your appearance is mine. He goes yeah. to rape her and tears her skin, seeing underneath that she is this alien, this blackness, this darkness that causes him to kill her. Uh, that that switch and that move is very much done from the perspective of the entire film of the the people who are staring and how they stare at this woman and how she sees everyone else and herself with mirrors and I love mirrors uh, are a huge part of it. Uh, How she sees, you know, insects and humanity is a huge part of it. It's, it's an incredible little set. set That's right. She looks like an ant at the beginning indifferently, but then later on she looks to at herself in the same kind of indifference. And then even later on. uh, So she's like considering human, the human visage as something as just like, oh, it's like food. It's like whatever. And then ultimately later on, she's like not necessarily learns the error of her ways. I mean, because that's remember, these are aliens. She just becomes about. curious about she human just things. becomes curious. She kind of is something. I didn't mean this by the under the sea thing, but she kind of it has a Ariel, the little mermaid in her. She also has some Pinocchio in her. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But I think the aerial thing is there too of like Mm -hmm. in that act three, she becomes, she just wants to know about our world, but she becomes genuinely curious Mm -hmm. and we get the impression that that is what impurifies these bait girls and ruins them because the motorcycle men have this cycle of, Oh, this one's becoming too human. Shut it down. Send out a new one. That's fully alien. And, And uh, yeah. And the cycle perpetuates. I, I just love that all the things in act three that she tries to experience are such a well chosen Rolodex of what is uniquely soulful about humans. Mm -hmm. Like she very subtly, cause they bundle some of them. Like she goes on a date with a dude to try and experience actual sex, which she's never had. Cause she always just submerges you in black goo. But, um, she tries to actually have sex and incidentally on the date, they watch a comedy show. So the film is just well orchestrated in a way where she tries music, comedy, food, and love making. And you're like, yeah, those are the big four. Those are really good human things. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Put in the word. Yeah. It's very uh, well measured, the things she tries. Oh, and then she partakes of nature as like another one. 
Yeah, yeah I want to talk about the um, one. I th- one, one of the first things that I noticed, and this is an old thing, but then I'll mention a new thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, which is Hi. Uh, that at the beginning of the film, uh, we see a kind of abstraction of her voiceover as she is clearly learning speech. Uh, and uh, the sequence as a whole visually is representative of her being constructed. Um, like we see parts being moving applied. into parts that eventually become an eye. Mm-hmm. And the eye is in the particular because of many, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, not only in, uh, you know, it's like the main you know, instrument of gaze, but also when they, we construct her eye, uh, she also is told that she has beautiful eyes. She looks into her eyes. The motorcycle men look into her eyes as like a check to see like, mm-hmm. are you fucking with us kind of thing? But she says um, literally when there is a phallic like cylinder like going into a hole. Because it's building her pupil or because whatever. Because it's building yeah. and it eventually becomes her eye. Uh, literally the line is buh, buh, buh. No, 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 no. So I think, he, and that's at the top of the film. It's implying that this Super is going to be about consent and it's going to be about consent. consent. Yeah. And, and if then people on top missed of that, it, I just want to recap. I I know most people have gotten this, but I just hi, my job on this journey is to highlight and break things down simply. I think. Uh, so basically, what he's doing is creating a film about male gaze and consent that involves at every level an actual social experiment in consent because some of the things are have to decide after the fact yes what i just did is appropriate to appear in a film i'll consent for my image being used flirting with this woman that's fine i don't find that behavior weird and at the same time he's asking scarlett johansson a sex symbol to consent to for the purposes of his film to potentially endanger herself by flirting with random men there's like NDA is a crystallization of consent in a physical piece of paper. He's playing with consent on every level in a way that is reminiscent of like shit that Hitchcock and Kubrick did, but I would argue a little more benign, a little less invasive and less upsetting. He's like doing, he's pushing it right up to that line without going over. I do believe he got everyone's consent and I I like the experiment. It's really cool to the meta narrative uh, of the film is also about consent at every, at every juncture. And, and and for me, one of the big ones, and I just, I just kind of got a kick out of it at the time of this being out at the same time as Avengers where she's black widow and how many people Googled, like how many horny 19 year olds Googled naked Scarlett Johansson. Cause they heard she does full frontal in this. Yeah. And, and, that process had one, they didn't go see the movie. The movie was a critical flop. And when I mentioned to people like, they're like, I haven't heard of him. Like, yeah, it's a really strange movie. It's strange enough that Scarlett Johansson is full nudity in every single way in this in film. In every scene and, almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and no one's heard of it. That's how, that's how small of a film this is. And that even adds another layer of, uh, because I think, uh, and we talked a little bit about this. Mm. The 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 performance she gives, I was actually super impressed by because she goes in and out of being uh, almost uh, utilitarian nudity, where you're she's just there. She happens to be naked. She's going through the scene, but it doesn't seem sexy. Yeah, it's not sexy at all, uh, which is kind of fun to think about. Naked Black Widow not being sexy, mm-hmm. uh, but then conversely, later in the film, after she's started to explore and experiment and sees the act of sex not as rape but as something that is possible she actually has a few moments in front of a mirror where she is stunningly sexually beautiful and mm. uh it's a matter of lighting and how she moves and how she handles and that that transition and subtlety i was just really amazed by in her performance well and personally. it's she experiences that, that is, sorry i'll give the mic right back i just wanted to say it just occurs to me she yep. experiences well of course because it's unclear whether she consented to be born or do this mission or come into existence her handlers seem very aggressive as well so there's consent on that level and it's interesting that when it comes to sex she has been in the position of the person who knows what's going on and crushes you and puts you in black goo and you don't get to consent. So essentially like the rapist, the dominator, she's been in the position of trying to have consensual sex and 
failing because she doesn't have genitals, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And then she's in the position of meeting someone who doesn't w- want consent or who will bulldoze through your consent and she still doesn't have genitals it's like every it's almost like he allowed for a double blind study of what this organism would do in each possible scenario which is interesting abe you were saying yeah i think i think you're absolutely right uh mike uh and i think brooks is right but i think your words aren't saying exactly maybe i'm wrong here but um I just want to jump in and because like, I think the evaluation of sexiness is exactly what this uh, film is trying to counteract. It's not about that. She looks sexy or that like the lighting is different. It's a matter of consent. It's that in the reason that it feels right. clinical when she is undressing in the first scene. Cause again, she's only fully nude in that scene. She's in, she's, disrobing in other scenes she's fully nude in the opening scene fully nude in in the the opening opening scene it's fully nude and that's it's a shock at the beginning of the thing and it's so clinical because not of just because not just uh glazier nude to put the that scene in a like void space as well there's an abstraction and that one's white instead of black Mm. but also new to like if she is just operating, she's just business as usual. Like I am just going to rotely take off the clothes of another woman and put them on me as if I don't care about any of this. There's something inherently unsexy about it because it feels like a transgression. It feels like seeing someone well, naked it's, it's, in the element of typically yeah. how Hollywood does not present uh, nudity. Well, and I'm so I'm going to completely agree with you. And my wording, maybe yeah, off. I figured you. That's um, what you're saying because the the opening scene for me, it's the the specific twist they're doing. And let's take the opening scene: is they're taking. If I were to describe the scene everyone in the world would assume it's almost pornographically sexual. Right. Because, oh, it's uh, Scarlett Johansson's completely nude and she undresses another beautiful brunette and puts on her clothes. And if you told and me, yeah, like, yeah, and what's the background? Oh, just a void. I'd be like, that doesn't seem like white. that would ruin it in terms and of it, sexualness. But it does. It makes it weird. It makes it abstract. <laughs> yeah. It's her performance. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, and it's, the whole thing is about, I, in my mind, the, the discomfort of uh, the moments when uh, of how the gaze works. And so to, to further Abe's point, the one moment she does have that, she does ooze that sexuality is to me, it's not even so much about our gaze, but about her gaze, seeing herself as finally a sexual being and being curious mm. about that. She's outlined in red. The, the way she's moving and how she's moving is very different. And it's almost as if in that moment, we are allowed to see it with her because we're seeing what she's experiencing. Otherwise, we are intruders in the yeah, moment. Yeah, I agree. And, it feels right. like the filmic she's, manifestation of consent is sexy signs. You're like, yes. yeah, yeah, that's what well, you're like that. into. Because she's participatory. Mm-hmm. That's yes. the key. You know, it's that we are getting signs that she is consenting. Uh, in it's the fly on the wall cinema verte style camera that gives us the feeling of voyeurism, mm-hmm. which gives the feeling of spying, which makes us which feel like, Oh, should, or should we also feel weird? Cause we're doing something exactly. weird. Yeah. So when, and that's why how Glazier flips it is that when we look at the hidden camera f- footage of her doing this to men, we think it's plot, mm-hmm. but when you do it with a woman in, like you, you and mentioned, she happens Avengers, to be naked, or it's Avengers. It's, yeah, it's just all in the good fun. It's Hollywood, baby. You know, it's like that bullshit that yeah. is a double standard that I feel he's flipping uh, by essentially giving us that. Uh, v- purview and rapidly alternating moments where we feel voyeuristic where we feel like we're Mm -hmm. riding with her where we Mm -hmm. feel like we're distant looking at her uh last time reality tv brooks pointed out one of the candid shots is and it now is one of my favorite moments the moment because we also recently covered ex machina and i think ava and she pull a lot from the same bag of tricks um, it's so effectively alien when someone just ignores little social cues that you don't even think about. But if you omit them, it's bizarre. Like she falls 
and people help her up because she's a beautiful like woman alone walking through the city right and she just fell dramatically in front of a crowd people help her up and she just silently gets up and walks away and it turned out that's one of the candid shots so the looks of people staring after her like what the fuck are all completely genuine and i love it's amazing how disturbing something like that can be when it's when you're looking at like when you want when you're an aspiring filmmaker and you think how could we disturb someone and you're like okay we'll need a big effects budget because i'm imagining like a goat-headed man but his organs are on the outside and it's like what about a lady fell over and when they help her up she doesn't thank them she just walks away so, like that's just as creepy to continue because <laughs> now i want to start moving into con- conversations i've had in my brain since uh this last mm-hmm. did the, I think the efforts of the filmmaker with Scarlett and, and her efforts are actually to go so deep in removing femininity from the feminine visage that anything we may associate with being a woman in any way, she only turns on to kill men. Right. And she's a black widow. She's to, to the point where there's a scene uh, where she goes to the beach and she's hunting and she ultimately kills a guy, leaves a couple to drown. Uh, the guy was trying to save him. And the toddler is there crying and screaming. And it's oh. an extended period of crying and screaming. And there is not only, I would say, no, there's no indication that Scarlett Johansson's character gives a shit. Not even notices. In, not even in the I'm frustrated by that. I don't care about literally a baby's cry has no effect on this character. And as I said, yeah, oh, as it's I a said last moment. Yeah, I just as I said last time, but I wanted to reiterate it's like to me it would have been less haunting if she killed the baby because it would be like the alien understands it could get caught or the alien's evil in a way that I understand. No, no, no. It's way scarier that she never acknowledges that there's a baby that will starve to death if you leave it here. She just doesn't notice it because it doesn't affect her in any way. It's so good. And I think it's intentional now knowing the way this guy thinks that they intentionally hold on a shot of a baby crying with no cuts and i have to believe this is intentional for so long that any reasonable person finds themselves thinking who let their baby do this role it invites you to think of the meta narrative you start thinking is the director gonna cut the shot when does this baby get to stop crying this really looks like child abuse like real child abuse Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it cuts out and you're like man that was a rough sequence that was probably my favorite sequence as far as thinking of this as a horror movie yeah it was pretty haunting do you guys think that there's uh some symbolism involved in the i mean it's just the the things that are in play they are like the the nuclear family being drifted away off of land they're trying to save their, their child dog. yeah as there is such a loaded image like shit so this story so as it goes <clears throat> the whole symbol is she tries to figure out because she has a few rules which seem to be set up by um, handlers i guess or whatever. just her handlers determining that like we only go for people who are alone and local and no one cares about. So she's investigating this guy from Czechoslovakia who's just swimming in the ocean. Uh, and as soon as he sees that there's a dog that drifted too far into the, I don't actually know, like the wake, I guess. So like it's the, some pretty rough breakers. It looks like a riptide. In the, yeah. The breakers yeah. Uh, swims too far out. Uh, the mother of the family tries to save the dog by swimming out there and she gets caught as and well. And the dad goes, don't, and don't swim out. Don't swim the, out. Yeah. The man tries to then save his swim wife after mom. And at that point, the swimmer who is uh, like immediately as a, I feel like a, um, a, a signal to her that that's what, this is what humans do is that uh, even if they're, self-destructive they just need to help yeah he goes out and tries to help the man but the man doesn't give a fuck he gets back up and swims out because that's his wife and so all we're left with is this man who tried to help who's too tired to swim back out to help any longer she and walks a baby up, beats him over the head and a baby and beats him over the head with a you know a rock and she takes him and I, she leaves the baby <laughs> and she t- yeah exactly and i feel like there's 
there's so much to unpack about like i don't know if like is sea is the sea like time drifting us away from each other is she are is, are the is uh glazier trying to like present in front of us what he thinks an alien sees of humanity like i don't know what it necessarily well means. i would say if there's i mean this is just a theory because now we're off the beaten path of what we talked about last time which i love we made it you guys mm-hmm. it only took half an hour um mm-hmm. the there's later that rolodex of things that are quintessentially human could this have been the family unit like the that is one thing that's unique about humans as life forms dog, is that we're the, loyal yeah. to a family unit and we form family units and we go through our whole mm. lives thinking it's special that you're my child because we share dna um that's something that maybe the aliens don't have and that was her exposure to that and it turns out she can't access that in any way and doesn't give a shit about it you know family right. means nothing that's- to her kind of what i thought she's we the anti-dom toretto <laughs> like you just you allow yourselves to be murdered you know like what is that all about you you, you stay like it's like almost like a um the suggestion of like the, the alienness of looking at like the nuclear family but at the same time i was wondering does it have deeper meaning with like is there also like in in the you know we're as we're talking about with consent mm. and gaze being two main themes we also have this theme of celebrity or this idea of like you know we take these young women and place them like uh place them essentially for harvest for like let's get the next one in oh let's yeah get the when i was dude when i was 19 i damn i wrote a poem about britney spears called the harvest right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's like we need it's um it's bizarre little ritual that we do and it's equally as relig- uh, ritualistic and societal as the nuclear family the nuclear family just makes sense to us uh, this, you know, the idea of like giving up, um, young, you know, mm-hmm. boys and girls for the sake of like celebrity for like, oh, we're going to chew you up, Lindsay Lohan kind of trope, uh, or, oh, does also seem to have like a destructive, what about, uh, I'm going to let my towards, they cannot be family. They can't have a family. They have to be that until we're done with them. Yeah, I do. Um, Okay. By that. Brooks, you go. Yeah, you so go. it's, I mean, this this scene is, this whole film, I could probably spend far too long on every five minutes section of it. But this one, um, if, if I want to figure out what the whole thing that he's trying to say when he's making this movie, to me, a lot of it uh, comes back to, and I, this is a huge leap for me. I, all I've got is leaps. I apologize. Um, but there's too much symbolism inside of this that, for him not to be at least having a passing familiarity with Delusian thought and the concept of the body without organs. Um, the it's, <laughs> which it's, could be an alternate title for the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no way that doesn't come through because that's what happens to all the men. Their, their literal insides get sucked down and all they're left as is their skin, their body without organs. And you watch oh, it happen. Yeah. And Incidentally, I got to say the scariest image actually for me, even worse yeah, than the baby is, is how you look right before you get eaten. The loose skin. Right. So that that, the loose that skin first moment. And then the snap. It's, and it's yeah. such a good, uh, there are some things I really want to know. Like, I don't want to know how they did it because it looks so magical and awful yeah. and terrible, but I kind of want to know how, how much practical effects was in this film because that is just an awful image. But that guy reaching out just to touch the other oh. guy with the loose skin is nightmare fuel, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tool music video. So for, for that, and I, I look at this scene as being a sort of commentary on uh, modern Oedipal situations. Uh, the concept of the Oedipal triangle is pretty simple. You have child, you have mother, father. Uh, the child grows up and he realizes he can't be everything that mother wants because mother wants sex. Mother gets sex from dad. Dad's strong. Dad is the law. He learns that from him and that becomes the Oedipal triangle. I'm not saying I believe in this. Mm. I'm actually, uh, as you may guess, anti-Oedipal. But uh, the idea here is that you have the outside man who sees this struggle and he enters it only to be spit back out and then have effectively the skin of femininity strike him down for it is powerful imagery from a psychoanalytic perspective the idea that you have a a pure object of desire that is scarlett johansson who is 
you know, literally just her physical visage. There's no soul there. There's nothing. She is pure object almost. And here she comes along to this hero man who was, you know, trying to save very much the traditional family, the Oedipal triangle, you know, the, the way life used to be, only to kill him and crush his skull with a rock in a rather mm-hmm. brutal f- scene, actually. Uh, for how simple it was, it kind of struck me. You mean me. the fact that the surfer, without thinking, without hesitating, yeah. dives to the rescue, that makes him a quintessential what the traditional masculine, like, yes. oh, he's a good... He would. I bet he has good DNA. He'd be a good pod leader. He's, he, and it's yes. like, I don't give a shit. I want your organs, yes. dude. <laughs> and that's perverted to us. It feels wrong. Like your free organs right <laughs> yeah. now, sitting on the ground. Well, and, 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 you know, like all And tired. he kind of represents, if we're talking about this being about the, the male gaze, we are talking about how men perceive men as well. It's actually pretty documented throughout this. And it's not just how, uh, you know, the men see, oh, this is how I expect a man to act when he sees Scarlett Johansson wanting sex. He's going to be fully erect and walking towards her. That's the, my subconscious. But it also, yeah. And it does the same thing, yeah. though, with Adam Pearson's character. Like, everyone reacts to him as you'd expect, as the cynical, like, exactly it is you'd expect. He's like... I don't, why don't you grocery shop at night? I have people bother me. Why? They're ignorant. You're like, you know exactly what kind of shit he gets because he doesn't fit the mold of the masculine. And yet, interestingly to her, he has an outward mold that denigrates his worth in most people's eyes. Wrongly so, but it's true. And like, for the same reasons that she doesn't give a shit that the surfer is cut and would save a drowning dog, she also doesn't give a shit that he has goiters on his face. She doesn't care. He's still got tasty organs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and at the same time, he's almost her opposite because he is—he uh, has a lot of skin, but he is represented mm. to us as someone who has a lot more. Therefore, he is almost only under the skin, whereas her character is only the skin itself. And so they kind is, of right, they kind of they, they kind nicely. of have this polarity. They're parallel in that way, yeah. Which is why he is the one destined to turn her to make, let her change her rhythm. Right. He. Uh, it's what is the most in your like quote unquote from an outside perspective what looks to be the least human is actually the most human and um, and this is that is the key to humanity although we have been very pessimistic about humanity in this podcast mm-hmm. and i think the movie is as well it's her trying to understand but there is that too that empathy or that altruism of humanity that i just don't understand why they do it and that's what makes her well, and, and is that her lack of i'm recapping what brooke said last time but i think this is the right time to drop this information in and it's very enriching when she decides to free that guy she is looking at a fly trapped in a window pane and that's contrasted with when she looked at the ant on her fingertip she now mm-hmm. can see that living things she empathizes she sympathizes rather she roots for a living thing she anthropomorphizes the fly and wants it to be free because she realizes she wants that for herself for the first time and And that if we want to actually just little Uh quick real quick i want to just dive in because i rewatched the movie again last night and more, more thoughts um the way that it's very quickly edited, the the tone, the music, everything that's shown, when she sees the ant and she looks at it, she doesn't see actually a helpless character. Her eyes immediately zoom in, and so does the camera, to these brutal pinchers and really what is actually a scary fucking looking ant. It's not a normal ant, yeah. eye, actually. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, it's like a normal a one on her ant. finger, they made yeah. they like this giant, like jawed, awful thing. Yeah. Whereas later when she sees this sort of helpless life, it is very much from a distance seeing it trapped in the window pane and the perspective and the way it's filmed and shown is very much going from her seeing that, oh, I'm going to, you know, this planet, there's these awful things, blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm going to look at them very closely versus, well, now I kind of have more perspective. I have a broader view of the situation. Her literal perspective changes, yeah. Her perspective literally broadens. That's so great. And I think uh, a layer that you added for me that is so fun to meditate on because it quickly ties to many things is the original book this is based on meant all these things, but about 
me eating meat. And yes. I think if you're like me and you're listening along to this podcast, that's a big bomb drop. Cause it's like, yeah, apply that to it. It's so easily also maps onto looking at a pig and reducing everything that could be special about it as an organism that took millions of years to evolve down to, well, it's organs are delicious to me. Well, and it's, it's not a far cry. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you used to go meet women at the meat markets. This is what they call dating right. bars. Like yeah. this is not, it's yeah. not a crazy switch, but I actually, uh, because I, I, had, I had read the original book uh, after the film, I actually really do enjoy the film's take because it's a lot. Uh, we, we One of the things we discussed, and we've discussed, I think, actually on both Ichi the Killer when we did that one and Schenectady, and I think you guys have talked about is the, the lack uh, of... You're so typecast on our network. <laughs> so, sorry? You're very typecast on the Small I, Beans I, Network. <laughs> that's fine. I, I'll take the weird. It's, it's, it's where I go. Um, but the, the thing we talked about is the, the lack of need for explanation of things. Uh, I think in the past I've talked about uh, I don't need to know about midichlorians. The force is good enough. Thank you. Stop. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and the book does a lot of very detailed explanation of how different things work in this world. Uh, and I don't like it kind of ruins it. There's a there's an odd magic to this film, the way that it's done and the lack of explanation almost entirely across the board that forces you when you watch it to actually think about what you're seeing versus simply enjoying the movie as a pure story moment. And I think it's an important point to differentiate this from the mystery box. They can feel very similar. Yes. The key thing that makes something a mystery box is that mystery is the only attribute. There's no truth inside. This is actually mysterious. And things that have mystery about them are enchanting and magical. But a J.J. Abrams mystery box is when you pretend to do that and you cannot back it up. This is not that. This backs it up and gets you to very thoughtful places. Um, I just always want to differentiate those because I love mystery, but I hate mystery boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The puzzle logic thinking were, uh, and we talked about this last time, uh, the puzzle logic thinking of usually our approach. And Michael and I both love a good puzzle, so we love stuff like Alex Cache, Garland. Alex Garland, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We love looking at things as like, oh, it unravels. There's like a primer, million little it unravels. Yeah. <laughs> as soon, once you get the little key code, it unlocks. And that's fun and all. This is very, it's usually because there are, there's a very specific argument that the film is making and it's one of the purposes of dramatic storytelling, but it isn't all of it. Obviously there are yeah. many different reasons as you brought up last time Forrest Gump exists, but I think with this movie, there's something about just sit, like we, we would, we all call this a meditative film, mm -hmm. but I, there's not a lot of story there. It's very simple. There's only four beats or so of the story. I think, but there is just a sitting in it that allows us to take character and the, uh, just the drama of what, like the cathartic moments or the meaningful or the moving moments. And yeah. then that allows you to dispel that need for puzzle logic because you can watch this. And I saw a lot of people go like online asking, what happened at the end? So was she this? Was she that? Was she, which is all fine questions, but it's just like, that's not really what the film's about though. And it was or clear it enough. want you to care about that. It, yeah. It's not that you're bad for thinking about it. It's just that it's like, if you go there, there's not really going to be much like enjoyment of the film. You have to dig really into what are the what are the context clues of what this means and how does it make you feel when you're watching it? That's really what I think he's doing. What it's with about. This. In other words, yeah, you have to go under the skin. Yeah, you literally, the skin is the plot, and the mm -hmm. movie's inviting you deeper. I just want to say, a uh, uh, real quick, Annihilation's exactly like that. The movie ha is mystery incarnate, and yet not a mystery box. It provides very rich loops that close and information that comes out the more you meditate on it um the book is way too exp it explains exactly what's going on in a way that is like 
almost uh lovecraftian but in a bad way just like too much detail like here's the pantheon of annihilation gods and they work like this i i, pr- I like the movie version in both cases brooks well, you so, had something new yeah i like. well the first time i saw this film uh, i actually thought it was an allegory for um okay i'm gonna have to get through this point before maybe it makes sense but it was an allegory for actually megan fox and the way that we treat uh female actresses because it opens almost with uh, this moment of this gorgeous brunette who's crying as she dies uh, with Scarlett Johansson, who had just been assigned to the big new, uh, you know, incel male giant film franchise, The mm-hmm. Avengers, uh, as the new sex character, right as Megan Fox's career was disappearing. And uh, I, oh, wow. I, I always thought the timing on that uh, just felt specific to me and that the movie is kind of... Scarlett Johansson almost predicting that here's how this is going to go. And then at the very end of it, after I've had my sexuality used up and I've, I've been, I've had all this happen and I'm, I'm fully used. Uh, and I actually now no longer am the pure sexual object. I'm going to be destroyed. And mm-hmm. that kind of reality of how female career exists uh, just felt like an allegory the first time I saw it, and every time since. I think it is that. It's yeah. very interesting that that would be her understanding, and yet she doesn't realize she could quit. You don't have to go through with it. That's the thing about me and about American cult of celebrity. It seems like there are many celebrities who make art about how they're fully aware that celebrity is going to eat them up and destroy them, and yet they can't just not do it. You don't have to do it. It seems like if we make you famous in America, people feel a social obligation to be like, I guess I'm famous now. I better capitalize on this. You could just not. You don't have to do it. Megan Fox, call me. We'll save you. The the potentialities (laughs) of the thing are, are just too alluring. Uh, it's it's very difficult right. when when you're in a position and you're someone who the world cares about, even if it's for a very short amount of time. The potential of what you could do with that is very difficult to ignore. Validation and comfort, even if it's not money, the but sheer even, like even if yeah. it's even if it's not any of those things. Literally, how could your life go for ten, twenty, thirty years if you just keep trying? You could end up in a place where you're like, uh, you know, all-time great actresses and actors and. Famous people who are billionaires, who are doing, you know, great things for the world. But that's what's funny is the underlying subtext is always, and they must be so happy. And I'm like, no, not necessarily. They're probably, some are happier than you, some are less happy than you. It doesn't really affect that. (laughs) I don't know. You only get to live your one life. You're you're only ever going to perceive whatever's around you. Who gives a shit? So then then I I, want to ask the question uh, because we... Touched on it a little bit, but I think it's worth getting into if we have any new thoughts. Who is the motorcycle guy? Uh, for those who aren't familiar, there's a character who yeah. opens the film. The patriarchy. Uh, maybe. Uh, there's a character who opens the film collecting the body of the ex-hunter alien. Uh, takes her to uh, where uh, Scarlett Johansson's being built and where yeah. Scarlett Johansson you know, is uh, undresses her and all that. And then we also see him later on cleaning up messes she's left behind and ultimately trying to find her as he stands in seemingly nearby where her body is being burned as he yeah. watches smoke in the distance. And Abe's being uh, a little cheeky about it, but I think he's essentially right. I think he is the executive producer in the boardroom deciding that Britney Spears is the future. Here's your package deal. I mean, I should update my deciding that Lana Del Rey is the future. Here's your package deal. This is the chick we're going to chew up and spit out. He's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he check he's and, checking her throughout the film to see if she's have you have you grown empathy? Yeah, because then we'll so replace you up. like that, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are you too? Are you? Too are you broken? too real? Do you have too um, much dimension to you? Yeah, broken for my purposes, uh, which is eating people. <laughs> um, but you know, like that, it it it, it goes. It's kind of dual. I think it's a symbol. It's purely that. But I think it's also representative in the story as like whatever patriarchy that happens here on Earth or in Scotland as a metaphor, whatever's happening here seems to be happening in their alien culture as well. So there's a unification of cultural design, I guess, cultural 
uh, just the way that nature exhibits itself is that in this alien kind of uh, organism, it seems that the male form is the one that uh, like the male and female forms basically have the same kind of setup where the men are in charge and dictate what the women do. Or are they, so that's, um, that's fair. So in the book, not to be shitty about this, but sure. in the book, that's actually spot on. They're actually quadrupeds and they take on almost huh. lion like culture where the females mm-hmm. are the hunters. Uh, just uh, mentioning you're spot on for that. So that's, that's even the, in, the intention in the original book as well. Oh, the females oh, are the cool. hunters and the men are the heads of state or whatever. It's, it's, it's yeah. something like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because yeah, it works similarly in a lot of, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the well, same otherwise their setup. trapping of us would not be compatible uh, with their bi-gendered. own system. Yeah. 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 They have to understand Which the system of enough is... to exploit it. Yeah. Which of course isn't, Obviously, there's not just two genders, but like it's in this setup as these things are archetypes and iconography. Uh, they seem to exhibit the same basic rule they, set. Yeah. And I think the more interesting thing, though, is that it does symbolize the patriarchy. The idea that these men are riding around in these super cool motorcycles, <laughs> uh, you know, having their good time. Uh, meanwhile, she's doing all the work so that they can get their delicious organs. Um, so yeah, I think that there's something behind that. Uh, there's also a flipping of talking about vehicles. I also noticed as a new thing this time around, uh, there's also a flip of the concept, uh, in this movie of the white, uh, the guy in a oh, white right. van That's trope. funny. Yeah. Cause she literally drives a white van around. And it's like, no one's, everyone's like, oh yeah, what's up? You know? Yeah. Like, that's funny. Like you, if a cute so girl asks she... you to get in a windowless white van, you're like, hell yeah. Whereas if Michael Swain this... pulls up yeah. with one and right. says, Hey, which direction yeah. are you going? Just once. Just once. One is yeah, a, yeah. one is a uh, potential episode of Bang Brothers and one is you get our, murdered in an alleyway. Uh, <laughs> even in our cultural decisions or like uh, tropes that we develop over time, we still think of women as weak. Like that's ingrained in our culture because even a white van, the most red like, flag, hideous, yeah. obvious red flag in the entire world for stay away from that shit. She can get away with it because of all these things that we've designed her to be, but also just that we don't care. Uh, we're not threatened by women. And that's like, it's just such a on the nose thing that I was like, that's obvious. That's cool though. It's, that, it right? always that's... struck me as crazy that it feels like such a twist in reservoir dogs when he gets shot in the gut by a mm-hmm. little old lady. Cause you're like, of course anyone can operate a gun. Why is this such a twist? Yeah. Because we don't think of little old ladies as dangerous, but they can fire a gun. We're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We're programmed to do this kind of thing. So yeah, I think it, it cuts a lot of ways. It's a very, uh, it's very cutting. This, it is. This makes this you film. think. Oh, and and when when you get into that that moment when she actually goes to finally have sex and she doesn't even have genitals, so there's there's no way. Uh. It's 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 she is pure sex, and it's this awful awful sort of way to talk about women with and yet she's not allowed to experience the positive aspects because because we don't want a scarlett johansson who can have sex that's not what men want men want we are right we want to look at and see a pretty thing we don't actually want someone who's sexually independent that's just the grossest thing ever if we were going to have sex with her it would have to be that we were the only one and she was our perfect sex prize it couldn't. We don't want to think of her as enjoying sex because she chooses to. Oh I mean, I'm Lord. not saying we, yeah. but that's the male gaze. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. And the fact yeah. that, right, like you're not allowed to have genitals, though, because if you had sex, that would make you dirty and less of a sex prize. Because we also have mm-hmm. shame around. It's the classic, like, I mean, you feel it strongly as a teenager. I want to say to people it does get better. Or like, for me, I have a much more healthy 
relationship with my sexual urges like they don't bother me at all but as a teenager the programming is very strong you would master or like every time i orgasm masturbating as a teen i immediately felt bad like in trouble and i know that's a trope i know i'm not the only one Mm -hmm. and there's no reason who the fuck are you hurting jerking off like it's so Mm -hmm. it's it's but it's the gaze it's It's society's gaze working through you growing up feeling guilt around Mm -hmm. sex is i think uh, not abnormal in America. To no, say the right. Least. It's an American pastime. <laughs> yeah, is to jerk off and it's then feel it. bad about it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, and uh, like you said, what's so haunting stupid. is the guy at the end, who's the, the rapist, feels so bad that he decides I have to murder this thing to expunge my shame. It's like at every level, she pays the price. She mm-hmm. pays the price. She yes. pays the price until yeah. ultimately she's consumed. The, the right. object of like sexual just, desires just simply consumed is just, it's it's such yep. a gross, awful, just difficult to watch ending. And she holds her own skin and her skin cries, which is the most human thing it does in the movie. So it's like at the moment that it achieved humanness, she is separate from it and dying anyway. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. one of those stories. The moment, the moment she finally was able Swim. to see herself. As she was, yeah. and not not the skin that people gave her. That's, That's right. Her skin is crying because it's looking at her true form. Yes. Oh, it's good. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Weird, wild stuff. Yeah. Weird, wild stuff. Swaim, uh, with the teenage masturbation <laughs> thing, are you telling? What the fuck? Uh, are you are you are you telling her, the parents in the crowd to just? let their teenagers masturbate willy-nilly that's well i think well you know you and i co-wrote a whole screenplay the b arc of which is about Mm -hmm. how too much pornography can poison your your sexual but but if you're just jerking off imagining stuff like dude yes parents should be fully supportive of kids sexually gratifying themselves whenever they feel the need god Damn it! Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you know that uh, uh, John? It's Jonathan, right? It's, it's Jonathan Glazier. We've known each other for <laughs> like fifteen years. Glad- yes. Oh Glazier. yeah. Uh, he was the director of the very, very popular Jamiroquai video, Ooh, Virtual Insanity. No, all the lyrics to that. Where, do you know that? Do you know that? I do. Video, I, I do. The one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But it's, and, and we had to talk. Yeah. I mentioned "Rabbit in Your Headlights" by uh, Uncle, Uncle, and yeah. it, that music video Uncle. is incredible. Yeah. And I think it's almost uh, to me, it has a few beats that are very, very similar to this. And you can tell and it's it, an that's idea. That's a glazer that's, too, right? It's, it's been an important message to him for a long time. Yeah, yeah. He also did a very popular 2000. I want to say one uh, ad that had it was just like a british like square that they did they shot it in like 10 days and i remember reading about it because it was all the rage with like cinematographers and production uh it was like uh they just exploded paint like that's the video. oh i remember that like that's Ad. the commercial was for a i think the commercial eventually was just for a um like like bravia or like a tv company about look at all these colors but it was just like buildings that just had exploding paint and it would fall uh it would fall into like these big you know courtyards and stuff and it would just be explosion after explosion set to classical music and that was like so he made like commercials and music videos uh in like the late 90s and early 2000s and then uh you know you mentioned brooks that he he made like birth and uh sexy beast as well and birth is birth is birth is a movie uh, that and as i mentioned and i will mention always that one of those things that oh look i'm giving you an explanation ruins the entire film in like the last 10 minutes uh that i'm really Mm -hmm. glad he did not have that knee-jerk reaction in this movie sexy beast very different I'm surprised that he made both those. That's interesting. Sexy Beast is not... You would never fall asleep during Sexy Beast. And even though I like Under the Skin, I could fall asleep during it easily. (laughs) Right. It's It's a lot more... It's drony. Yeah. Yeah. Meditative, as we talked about. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely... He's tonally all over the place, but he seems to... He seems to to have chops. There's a quote... There's a quote online of him talking about uh, simplicity in 
designing a film and i think he's spot on about it and what he says is that uh like people think that making like making a film the goal is to make it the simplest thing possible and when you set out to make like a machine or something you don't often create the simplest thing first you have to whittle it away you have to dis you have to make it make it work and then whittle away all the unnecessary parts until you're left with the simplest machine that works. That's what making a film is. And I'm like, yeah, as a overarching kind that of will concept, work most of the time. I think that yeah. that's sound. I think that is sound for making a good film is make something that works, have it, have a statement, have it be true and organize the thoughts it's and all communicate it. Yeah. what meaningfulness to other humans through that medium and then take everything else out. As an editing teacher of mine once said, uh, every frame uh, in your movie is holding up a gun at the other frames in the movie and saying, I deserve to live. Uh, you have to kill hey, your babies. You well, said, to, that reminds yeah. me of a, a Theodore Adorno has the line that I've always loved. I can't remember where it is. It's in Minimum Moralia. Um, but it's essentially uh, a writer will write a page, a great writer will write a paragraph, but a poet will write a sentence. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. As we yeah. record this, literally the thing that just became trending on Twitter is a think piece about how Michael Bass has sexualized Megan Fox since she was 15 and we need to cancel him and shit. Very interesting. We're never out never of Never out of this. Which is which is kind of good that like it's now in our face all the time. The banality and injustices are constantly being screamed mm -hmm. at us through things like Twitter. It's that I I, I hate Twitter. Love that so much. Love that yeah. aspect of it. She was it. 15 when Michael Bay it's... first spotted her and cast her as a stripper in Bad Boys 2. 15. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure there's no story behind the cameras at all about anything. I'm sure everything was only on camera. Oh, I'm sure and he treated board. her. He treated her with very careful oh, distance yeah. and respect. Yeah. No, he's a. He seems to be a child. He's a who sensitive wants to man. With toys. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But yeah, Still we relevant. talked about the same thing in director piece theater about Alicia Silverstone uh, in 1994 in not one, not two, but three Aerosmith music videos, including one uh, with Liv Tyler, where she's they basically coyote uglying it up as a, two like Catholic schoolgirls. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is society? And it's just Aerosmith like, yeah, baby, crazy. And it's just like, what is going on? And then it's like, oh, yeah, now that scans. It seems so over the head now. But we still do it because you look at fucking Transformers or you look at the new things. And it's just like, oh, man, we are just in a weird struggle. And we uh, keep doing the same bullshit what is wrong with us and then you realize it's mostly people like us <laughs> it's our fault well yeah it's 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 the nature of the the, the way life, the man. way things have always been are difficult to fight against uh mentally and spiritually and and commercially it's just very difficult to fight against it yeah. and all you can do really is just make sure that what you work on is the best that it can be as you go forward that's and it's yes. responsible the messages are responsible. I think that's. Uh, I think my my hat goes off to this guy, to ScarJo mm -hmm. as well. Even though she herself is a semi problematic individual, uh, we all have our problems. This film is good. Yep. And hats off to Martin for bringing it to Absolutely, us. Absolutely, Martin. That Thank does you, wrap Martin. up our conversation because I'm too far from a plug and my computer is at 4%. Excellent. Um, so Nailed it's it. a good time to call it. it. Where can people find you, Brux, uh, if they want more of your thoughtscapes? Thing, easiest thing right now is uh, Google Deleuze and Guattari Quarantine Collective. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. Uh, and we're on Discord. If you want to join talking about uh, cinema is actually going to be something we're starting up about. So Deleuzean Cinematic Theory is going to be really exciting. So please join us. We'll have a link We'll have a link in the details of this uh, All podcast slash video. Including those who don't know what... Especially those who have no idea means. what I'm talking about. If you care yeah, exactly. about why films affect us the way they do, we want you in the chat. Yeah, 
yeah, it's kind of a cool little community setup you guys got going on with Discord. Jesus, you guys, um, this Twitter thing hitting right now is so interesting. Someone is, po- I'm just reading through Twitter at the same time, and someone's like, yeah, Megan Fox was a victim. And someone goes, by that logic, Rihanna was a victim. Britney Spears was a victim. Uh, Ariana Grande is a victim. By that logic, society victimizes these women. I don't buy it. You're like, you uh, just dude, described the problem. I, I, someone said on <laughs> Twitter said I don't earlier buy it. today, my favorite form of satire that exists is conservatives trying to satirize themselves, but actually just making good points. Literally just saying something where yeah, all you yeah, have to respond is, points. yeah, that's yes, accurate. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good thing because this drops tomorrow or for you listening to this now. Today. 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 It drops now, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. An hour ago, you've that's been listening. Right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you guys That's for having me. Stuff. Anytime, please. Yeah, Dad. Absolutely. Next Always time. an engaging Next time we'll have Choose you here for um, Choose weird Paddington. Movies. No, no, you're coming back for Paddington too. Oh, actually, yeah. I would love to do that too. It's a great movie. I, <laughs> I, I had a conversation with my wife about how uh, the the little toaster is actually a Marxist corollary for uh, sure. revolution. <laughs> Fucking nailing it. Yeah, dude. All right, Robert Evans. <laughs> yeah. Fucking nailing it. I love it. I love it so much, man. All right, guys. We're out. Have a good one. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.